Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. We thought it was a valuable exercise to consciously have a look at that rather than let it sort of exist and have compliance professionals always feeling like they have to find the solution to cutting through on their own. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher, I'm the editor of the GRC Institute, and we are just having a bit of a conference wrap-up with our CEO, Naomi Burley. Hi, Naomi, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Uh, not too bad. Uh, you know, last week was Halloween, but I don't think there was anything particularly spooky about our conference. If, if anything, it was quite informative. <laughs> oh, there were a couple of spooky bits from the regulators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it was a good conference. Um, you know, we had the usual day one, day two um, regulators on the first day. The second day was the skills that you need to uh, follow the obligations set out by the regulators on day one. Um, so I guess really get started, um, you know, what, you know, what were some of the key elements? I mean, let's start with day one, the key things from day one and the regulators, anything that stood out to you? Yeah, look, a couple of things, uh, you know, we kicked off with the, with the three lines, um, of accountability paper re-release, which was, I think really set the tone and framework for the rest of the conference because everything seemed to sort of roll back to that, um, and that session's going to be available and the paper available to, to GRCI members going forward because that's something we really want to get out there and help people implement in their organisations. But um, I guess the real gold of day one, and everyone loves day one, is having our great lineup of regulators. And um, they were all so fabulous and so well prepared for the audience they were going to speak to that I was, you know, really, really grateful for the work that they put in on that. But I guess there there were probably some shared themes across all of them around especially using data, which then means you have to use some kind of technology, but using the data you have in your organisation to really get a verifiable uh, feel for how your culture's trending and how behaviours are rolling out and um, maybe, I don't know how lead indicators they could be, but observing some trends so that if you can't get a really nifty lead indicator on issues or you can't necessarily pick up every single near miss, you're at least getting a trend if something's going uh, across a line you don't really want to cross. Um, so that was a really interesting one and, and it sort of showcased especially APRA's presentation um, but also ASIC's because they seemed really well informed and they're coming into a new breach reporting regime where they're going to have a whole truckload of data that they're going to be re-reporting out to the market. Um, the sophistication and the skill set that the regulators have acquired for themselves to be able to better um, supervise the market is, is actually really impressive, but also means we've got to up our game and we've got to make sure that we're looking at those same things. And while we might not agree with the, with the measures that they've set up, we have to sort of remember that they've created their particular research points or data points from a regulatory perspective. And um, internally, we might have a better nuanced and sophisticated understanding of our organisations. And we can you know, we can provide added value by even aligning that with strategic outcomes as well. So some really sort of big pieces of trends there as well. Lots of the stuff that GRCI has been keeping members informed of anyway, but um, some great sort of uh, 
future predictions from a couple of the regulators on where they're paying attention to next and where they're expecting an uplift in behaviours, um, where they're going to cease being lenient and expect um, a much more robust compliance framework in an organisation. So there, there were a couple of warning bells, for, especially from uh, our Privacy Commissioner, mm. um, sort of the continued message from Austrac, but again, another regulator that's really hit um, hit the ground running with some really talented people working there and analysing things and then expecting um, us to be able to do the same thing. So uh, some interesting observations from from across all of the regulators and, and I really appreciate the way that they recognised that you had very experienced compliance professionals in that room and, and everything they gave to us was something that could really help us lift um, the compliance practice. So I really appreciated all of their input. Uh, so that was a really great day having those sessions and as you said Kwame the second day is all about the skill sets that uh, we think need development or members have told us we'd like a session on this so that's where we sort of concentrated our effort is like well now the regulators told us what they think how are we going to meet that um, you know, we didn't have anything on data analysis on day two necessarily, <laughs> but um, but that is definitely earmarked for uh, for future events and professional development. Um, but we had some great data reflections. Um, we had, you know, we had Wendy addressing that leadership and credibility angle, and that's something that I think can't be emphasised enough. Is that if you want to influence line one from line two, you still have to have a relationship with them. So it's not, you're independent and you're not reporting to them and you're not doing compliance for them, but you must have a credible relationship with them. And that takes a lot of leadership characteristics from you. And that takes you creating leaders in that line so that they are speaking to you like a peer rather than feeling like they're reporting to the principal when they've made a mistake. You know, that's how you get trusted dialogue going on. So I think there were some really important lessons there and that one rated really well with um, the attendees. Uh, and then following that up with Jamie's, Jamie Kelly's session, um, you know, from the compliance frontline was really, uh, you know, it was just like looking in a mirror because Jamie definitely has all those qualities of being a leader and creating leaders in his compliance team and building the leadership capability throughout um, his organisation and having those honest and frank reflections on how they've done it, why they've made certain decisions to keep things within a particular scope, who's responsible for which bit and how they have a conversation with their risk team was really, really illuminating because as we, as we discussed in the last session, we've got all kinds of reporting lines for compliance in organisations and in some organisations that impedes a clear compliance message making it through to the leadership team. Whilst in other organisations, they do. They act like they are a cooperative um, group of C-suite professionals who are all after the same objective and can have those conversations. But obviously, that's that's what goes on with Jamie's team. Yeah, um, and I guess you, you sorry, see the diversity. Well, sorry, yeah, I was going to say, and I guess him showing what, you know, what he thinks it is based on what they're actually doing in the organisation just shows the diversity of approaches um, that one can take when it comes to those three lines of accountability. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, it definitely harked back to those that three lines of accountability and it, there was real clarity in what Jamie was saying about what they do versus what other people do. 
and it also had that you know clarity of the reporting line they they all knew what what they were responsible for they all knew what they had to have conversations with each other about but there was no one trying to do both both things you know and, and doubling up on things so that was really really excellent session and you know also drawing on his his broad professional experience on where it's been done different ways in other organisations and the lesson they've learnt from that and what he's taken to his current organisation was really, really, um, really valuable. So highly recommend that that session. If we could if we could bottle it and get everyone doing that, that would be great. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the thing we do with day two is trying to balance it out and keep the energy flowing in one way because it is really hard. It's hard being at a conference face-to-face um, and it's hard doing it online. I don't know which is harder anymore, to be honest, um, because being in a room and getting there and then doing everything is also hard. So um, the concentrating all day is the work. But we had we had the, another session on the generational differences and coming in, and one of the reasons why we'd invited Rebecca to speak at the conference was sort of twofold was that we're really, really aware of all the organisations who are, who are out there struggling to get compliance people to fill the roles. So they understand they need bodies on the ground to deliver great compliance frameworks, but they don't know where to find them. And there's no university degree that, you know, you can leave school and go, I'd like to be a compliance professional, like you can for being a lawyer or an accountant or a doctor. So people come to it by a fairly... Um, circuitous path quite often and so where we're going to find that talent pool may well be within our organization people who are coming through and who understand business who understand strategy who have some of those requisite skills in there they think strategically they can build relationships and communicate and we gear them up to be great compliance professionals so that was my one thing and 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 I'd listened to Rebecca in a podcast and and thought this these generations coming through um, from the young millennials down to the, the generation Zs when they come through, they're all about purpose. And that's, you know, that's a, at the core of compliance. I don't think you are a happy compliance person unless you, you are really clear about the purpose um, for a framework and you understand the value. Every member I speak to, they understand the value of what they're doing. Other people don't always, but they do. And that's a purpose question. So I thought, well, that's a really great way to pull people into this profession. And why aren't we capitalising on that? Why aren't we identifying those people in organisations and going, you love this stuff. Let me show you a career path that would give you that every day. Um, But the other thing is, if they don't want to take that path, they can still be the compliance leaders in line one you know, because that's what you need as well. And it adds that purpose to we're going to make a profit, that's one purpose, and we're going to do it in this way so that we are trustworthy, we have a great reputation and we're an organisation that you want to keep working for. And that's the other thing. Compliance frameworks could be the solution to retaining the staff that we think, oh, well, it's millennials and they all want to move on after a year. Maybe they want to move on because it hasn't got that added facet of understanding how it fits in the big picture. Um, Because the purpose is really simple. You make money or you sell things or you do whatever. If you add that thing in, but we do it this way. This is our differentiator. This is our deeper meaning associated with it. And compliance frameworks can do that because that can be 
they can be attached to your obligations around the value system of your organisation. So it's one thing to say we are an an organisation with integrity and, and all these other values. It's another that you can punch into your framework to have that attached to, well, then that means we behave this way. And that's part of your framework. That's an obligation to yourself, to your organisation. And we could be attaching that and really capitalising on it. So we wanted to look at it from those, those, two, those two points of view um, and make sure that, um, you know, compliance messaging is getting through. It means it's not just one message. You might have to segment your messages based on the generations you've got within your organisation. And that, again, flows back to data. Do you know who's walking, working in your organisation and what motivates them and why they should care? We really need to plug into that kind of thing. You can't create a compliance framework in a vacuum of just your experience of the world and employees are stakeholders too. So there's a different way to engage with those stakeholders, get a real feel for what is their care factor. So I thought there was lots of lots of value in that one. And then we flow back into uh, the benchmarking research that Deloitte are undertaking, which provided some really good early insights. And we'd encourage everyone who's been sent the link to that um, benchmarking survey to complete that survey because it's an ongoing research piece that will flow back to members. And we'll have a future session on the final results from that. But it gave us some great insights into some of the bigger trends and um, and where you might sit. So it's a great exercise to undertake because you'll see the results and you'll remember what you put, you put in for your results. And people are being very frank and honest in that survey, which I found um, really, really interesting because there were, there were a couple of people who were indicating that they weren't quite up to where they'd really like to be up to. So they weren't afraid to put themselves accurately on the benchmark. So that was really interesting and, and I look forward to the final results from that. Um, and then our final session was again on the on the reporting lines, and it's not about saying this is the perfect one. Not like we did in the three lines of accountability where we go, this is what you should be working towards. With yeah. the reporting lines, what we're really looking at is um, there are strengths and weaknesses and pros and cons to everyone, and there are variables in there. So let's, like any risk, let's look at what the variables are. Let's look at how we would mitigate against those variables not being favourable for a clear compliance message going through. Because we've always tackled that, how do we reach the board? How, would, how do we get the board to understand that? One of the things that might be in the way is the structure of your organisation. It could very well be the core of your problem. And so you need to find a way around that um, and, to, and to find a, a way to cut through if that's what you need to do. Um, so we thought it was a valuable exercise to consciously have a look at that rather than let it sort of exist and have compliance professionals always feeling like they have to find the solution to cutting through on their own. We, we thought it was worth adding that into the mix of these are all the things that could be happening in your organisation to help you or to block you. Um, so that's the purpose of that research. And again, we're sending that survey out ongoingly to our corporate contacts. So we'd really love to hear some more results to see if the data um, supports some of the ideas that we've had anecdotally and the feedback we've had from members anecdotally on the success of their reporting lines. So that's a very quick cook's talk through that. Two days in um, six minutes. <laughs> This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute and the music was produced by Rob Neary.